Well, good morning. My name is Tim Jones, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are continuing on, or actually we're concluding our message series today called Reset. And so for the last several weeks, we've been looking at many different ways that we try to start over in our lives, or we try to hit the reset button. And for many of us, at the beginning of the year, it's the time of year where we consider starting over at some things in our lives. And so we hit the reset button. For some of us, we consider uh, eating healthier or maybe exercising. Or for some of us, we uh, think that it's time to get a new job. And so we go out and get a new job. Or for some of us, we say, well, last year was a bad year financially for us, so this year we're going to make sure that it's a better year financially and get our finances straightened out. And so we're all familiar with hitting the reset button, uh, but we're also all familiar when the reset button is hit for us. And so sometimes we receive a bad medical report. Or sometimes we lose our job or we get fired from our job. Or sometimes uh, our spouse says that they want out of the relationship. And so we're all familiar with either hitting the reset button or having the reset button hit for us. And none of us like starting over. And in this series, what we've been learning is that the reason that it seems like we continue to start over and over again is because we continue to do some of the same things that get us to the place um, where we don't want to be at in our lives. Some of us continue to eat the things that we know we shouldn't be eating. Or some of us continue to date the people that we know we shouldn't be dating. And we think that's going to be different, but it's not. And so many of us at that point Um, In this series, what we've been trying to do is look at some of the ways that we can stop or break these cycles. And so there's been a number of things that we've looked at, and some of the things that we've looked at are train ourselves to hear God's voice. And so if we hear God's voice, that way we know what he desires because he doesn't want us to get caught up in these cycles. And then we turn knowledge into action. What we learned that week is that there are people who are wise and what they do in order to learn next time is that they learn from the last time. And so that's something that we need to apply in our lives. And then during this series, we learn to fast to seek God's wisdom. We practice this ancient discipline of slowing down and asking God for some help in some of the decisions that we're facing or some of the needs that we have in our lives. And it's a great way to pause to make sure that last time isn't the same. And then also, um, Trent shared that we need to own our part of the problem. And so when we look at the problem, some of the uh, major problems in the problem is really ourselves. We contribute to the issue, and that's why we continue in these cycles. And then Evan did an amazing job last week of teaching us to renew our minds by casting off the old. And it was his first time ever giving a message, and he did an amazing job. And he kind of made fun of my hair and Trent's hair and everything. But what you don't know is that he was actually wearing a wig today. Um, yeah, after the message, uh, all of his hair fell out. We have a picture of it right there. Mm-hmm. And so Carl is not smiling anymore. Um, but anyway, seriously, uh, there are things that we need to apply in our lives, these things. And when we apply these things in our lives, we make sure that next time won't be like last time in our lives. Now, there's one more thing that we need to do in order to make sure that uh, next time won't be like last time. And so one of the things that we need to apply when we go to hit the reset button or when the reset button is hit for us, there's one thing that we've got to apply to make sure that our futures are protected. And Trent touched upon this a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, he introduced to us the 
circle of blame. Ta-da. Okay, that was supposed to be dramatic, but it wasn't. Uh, But anyways, he introduced to us this idea of the circle of blame. And what this represents is the problems that we all face. And the thing that happens in our problems is that we have a tendency to want to blame someone else or to blame something, and we don't want to take responsibility. And if we do take responsibility, it often is only a thin slice of the pie. Instead, we like to blame others. So we hear stories like this. You know, we didn't know that they had an anger problem or we didn't know that they had a drug problem or whatever type of problem, but yet we don't admit that when we first met them, that we were going through some issues and we just wanted to be in a relationship. So we overlooked some signs that gave us kind of a warning because we wanted to be in the relationship more than looking at those warning signs. Or for some of us, maybe uh, we're at the point in our lives where uh, our spouse just, you know, says it's over, you know. Um, If my spouse had only done this, then there wouldn't be a need or anything. And so at that point, the problem, we say, well, it's their issue, you know. Like, they're the ones who treated me so bad, or they're the ones who did this to me. Instead of recognizing when we first started getting into the issues that we were part of the issues, and that we had a part of the piece of the problem as well. And we should have said something, but instead... We started confiding in someone else. We started to look to them to meet our needs instead of our spouse. And here's what happens when we don't own our piece of the pie. We have our, high, our futures hijacked. And so here's what happens. Our bad choices, our bad decisions, our bad patterns that we don't own up to continue to exist and they continue to be in that cycle. And after one person to another person, they follow us behind us and they control our futures. Now, Trent said that we would come back to the rest of this pie, and that's what I want to do today, okay? The rest of this pie, uh, just like the other piece of the pie, this piece of the pie has the ability to control our futures, but also this piece of the pie does as well. Now, this piece of the pie represents those people who continue to hurt us in some way. Maybe they lie to us. Maybe they cheat. Maybe they uh, hurt us in some way. Uh, Whatever it is, these are the people who've done something to us and that we don't want to see them again. Now, here's the problem. If we don't deal with this part of the pie, then they have the ability to control or influence our futures as well. And this is what we're familiar with. We're familiar with people who are hurting. Uh, We're familiar with people who are hurting who unintentionally hurt others. And so we all know someone who entered into a first marriage and uh, was extremely hurt during that first marriage. And then they enter into a second marriage. And yet that hurt continues to follow them and it ends up destroying that second marriage. We all know people who were hurt in the past and they continue to uh, reel from that hurt in the past. And they continue to even have health issues because of that hurt. Or they continue to ruin their relationships because of never dealing with that in the past. Or we all know someone when we show up at some kind of family gathering and there's this one person that everyone knows not to bring up this one subject because it will set them off and they will get angry and they will explode. And it's because when we don't deal with this part of the pie as well, it has the ability to control our futures just as much as this piece of the pie does as well. Now, we all know uh, people 
who seem like they've got it all together on the outside. You know, we run into them and we think, man, they are amazing. You know, we would like to be like them. And then we start to hear their story. And when we hear their story, our mouth hits the ground. We cannot believe all the horrible things that they have been through. And it blows our minds that they've experienced all of these hurts from other people. And as we listen to their stories, we're also kind of impressed because it seems like they've come out uh, for the better from it. It seems like it hasn't impacted them negatively in that moment. Now, I know someone like that. And if she were here and she were telling her story, she would share all the hurt that had happened to her. And we would just be like flabbergasted with how much hurt that she experienced. And in that moment, we would see all the ways that other people hurt her, which that hurt took her into a life of alcoholism, a life of depression, to areas that many of us have never experienced before in life. And we would be just... um, heartbroken for her because we would see how much it hurt her, but at the same time, she's almost like it didn't phase her. Now, when I run into people like that, and when you run into people like that, we have to ask ourselves the question, how does a person like that, who suffers so much at the hands of others and experiences so much hurt from other people, not allow them to control their futures? And here's where it gets a little more personal. How does the people who hurt us, who um, do stuff to us, not control our futures? And here's what I've found. When I've talked to people and when we hear these types of stories, what is a common thread through all of their stories is that there's this decision that they made. There's a decision that they made to not allow their past to influence their future. And so this is really important, okay? Because all of us have been hurt by somebody in our past. And the way to now allow our past to define us is really to bring some intentionality, to bring a focal point or to make a decision to not allow our past to define us. Now, it shouldn't surprise you, but God actually uh, prescribes a decision. And when you hear this decision, you're going to feel like it's almost like too simple, okay? But he presides this uh, decision that we all need to make, and it's forgiveness. Now, in reality, when we hear that, we think, wow, that's just too simple. But in reality, we just don't know how much it costs us not to forgive. It costs us our future. And so today, we're going to unwrap this powerful concept of forgiveness. And when we grasp it and we apply it, it has the power to make sure that next time won't be like last time. And so today, that's what we're going to cover. That's what we're going to dive into. And so if you would, if you would grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, and that's what we're going to unpack today. So if you have a smartphone device or if you have a Bible, feel free to turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. So let me set the scene of this passage, okay? So here's Paul 
who's writing this letter to uh, the church in Ephesus and to the Ephesians. Um, and Paul steps on to history first as a Christ, uh, uh, as a Christian hater, okay? So if you hate Christians, like you would like Paul, okay? Uh, because he hated Christians. Uh, before he became a Christ follower, uh, he was responsible for rounding up tons of Christians and throwing them in jail. If you know some Christians that you would like to throw in jail, then you would like Paul as well because he liked to throw Christians into jail. Um, um, at that point. And then also, at one point, Paul gets so extreme that he actually becomes responsible for events that lead to people uh, actually being killed uh, for their faith. And so here's Paul, who's on his way rounding up Christians, and he has this powerful event where he meets Jesus, who was raised from the dead, and he encounters him. And in that encounter, he realizes what he's been doing is against God. And he realizes that God is willing to forgive him for the wrongs that he has done. And so Paul becomes this Christ follower, and he is just wanting to go out and tell everyone on how they can be forgiven. And so he goes out and he starts all these churches around the Mediterranean area uh, in what we would know as modern-day Turkey and Greece and Italy. And he begins to uh, start these churches, and then he starts to write these letters to inform them on how to be a Christ follower. And it's amazing, some of the words that... He uses some of the things that he unpacks. We know that it's from God and not from him. And if you don't believe in the Bible, well, you're going to be impressed with what Paul wrote almost 2,000 years ago on this powerful concept of forgiveness today because it's truly amazing and it really ensures that next time won't be like last time. And so let's check out what Paul has to say to us. In verse 26, he starts out with saying, in your anger, do not sin. Now, when we read that phrase, you know, Paul is telling us that we should do two things, or he's giving us two commands. You can kind of see this in another translation. It says, be angry and do not sin. So he's giving us these two commands. And what we all know is that we all get angry. Everyone gets angry. And Paul says that there are some things that are done to us where it's justifiably uh, all right to get angry about it. Um, but what he's really saying is, you know, what causes anger? Well, it's the person next to you. Okay, well, maybe it's the other person next to you. Um, but what causes anger? It's the people who hurt us. And so Paul is saying, hey, you know what? It's the people who hurt us. It's the people who make promises and they don't keep them. It's the people who lie to us. It's the people who cheat us. It's the people who continue to do things to us that hurt us and they know that it hurts us and they kind of just rub it into our faces. And so Paul would say, hey, there are some things that justifiably we should get angry about. But what he's saying also in this verse, which is amazing, is, hey, we know what happens with when anger gets out of control and don't let it get out of control. And we all know when anger gets out of control. I mean, we're tired of seeing parents who run onto our kids' fields and start arguing with the referees or start arguing with other fans and then almost a brawl breaks out. You know, we're tired of seeing on the news like one teenager does something to another teenager and then that teenager rounds up a bunch of other teenagers to take care of that one teenager. You know, we're tired of seeing people post things on Facebook about other people to slander them, to get back at them, to take revenge into their own hands. You know, we see what happens when anger gets out of control. And so Paul is here doing this really cool thing between the two things. He's saying, hey, there's an appropriate response of anger, but don't let it get out of control. Instead, this is what we need to do with our anger. So in verse 26, he says, this is another way to deal with our anger. 
especially when someone hurts us. Verse 26, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so I underlined that word do not, okay? Because what that means is Paul's saying that we have a decision. Because most of the time on how we try to deal with our anger is just simply to stuff it. And we just think that it'll eventually go away. We just think one day that will just disappear. But what Paul is saying here is that in order to deal with our anger, we have to make a decision. And this kind of explains why some of you, you know, you come home and you kick the dog for some no good reason, you know? This explains why some of you like yell at the kids or yell at your spouse for just doing something little. It's because anger never dissipates. It always remains. And that's what Paul wants us to understand about anger. A decision has to be made to deal with it. So let's continue in verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so when Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, he means it literally. So let's say you uh, ask your husband to take out the garbage and he doesn't do it. And you ask him two more times to take out the garbage. And he continues to not take out the garbage. And it's like the end of the night and he still hasn't taken out the garbage. And so now you take out the garbage and you come in and he's just totally ignored it and totally not even owned up to it. Well, in that moment, Paul is saying to forgive them. It's better for you. It's better for them as well. But, you know, we all know that there are things that are kind of like bigger in our lives, bigger issues that are not so easy to forgive. We know there's some real hurts that people cause us that to get us angry and get us fired up and last a whole lot longer than just one night as well. And so one time um, I was growing up and I had a dear friend of mine um, and he, he was my friend like since almost like diapers. And so we were growing up and we were in high school and at one point he did some really awful things to me. And it was in such a way that it wasn't like just uh, private, it was very public in what he did and he actually turned his back on me in that moment. Now that hurt. I mean, it made it worse that it was like out in the public too. And so it wasn't just a private matter, he had made it public. And so I was very hurt. And I was very angry for a very long time on what he did towards me. Now, we've all been there. We've all been hurt by somebody. We've all been angry for a long time. Now, Paul's point with this about don't let the sun go down on your anger, he would say, well, how many sunsets? How many sunsets until you deal with your anger? Is it going to be one? Is it going to be two sunsets? How many sunsets are you going to let go by until you deal with your anger? Is it going to be six months from now? Is it going to be a year? Is it going to be another marriage? Is it going to be another relationship? Is it going to be another episode with a relative? How many sunsets will you continue to allow your anger to be there? Because it doesn't dissipate. And in fact, our anger controls us. And so Paul would say, you need to make a decision about this because the anger is still going to be there. How many sunsets? And so you might be asking, well, how do we forgive? Well, we'll get to that, okay? But we need to unpack and we need to understand that it is a decision that we need to make on our behalf. Now, Paul says some brilliant things that kind of continue to clarify this subject and the impact of anger upon us. And I don't want you to miss this, okay? So picking up in verse 26, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. 
and do not give or kind of gift the devil a foothold, okay? Now, I'm going to come back to that word devil in a moment, but I want to focus on uh, this word foothold. This word foothold means to give a staging ground, okay? So what Paul is saying here is do not give the devil a staging ground. Don't let him set up shop. Don't let him come in. Don't let him have a camp. Don't let him have a room in your house, you know? And it's real easy because if you don't deal with your anger, even though you may have caused a little part of it and they cause like 80, 90% of the other issues or they're guilty of that and rightly so, they're guilty over those things, you still give the devil a foothold, a staging ground in your life to control your future. And this is why we run into people uh, who have stories that always seem to tell the same story, but with different people, and it continues to repeat, and there's a pattern there. This is why some of us, when we tell our stories of the hurts that were done to us, as we tell that story to someone else, there's not really resolution after we tell it, and we feel like we need to continue to tell that story, um, because it doesn't really feel like there's resolution in our lives from telling the story. It's because there is a foothold. We've given the devil a foothold in our lives. Now we have to ask the question, all right, who are we really giving a foothold to? And this is really interesting, okay? So let's pick up on what Paul uses here. It's an interesting word that Paul uses in the Greek for the devil, okay? There is another word in the Greek, and I'm going to get real technical because this is going to make a lot of sense as we unpack this. There's another word for the devil or for Satan, okay? And it's clear that this word means Satan, okay? Paul does not use that word. So he is not talking about the devil, the man with the red cape, or anything like that, all right? Instead, what he uses, the Greek that he uses here means slanderer or deceiver or the one who's lied to us. And in other translations, that's the word that they put there. And so a better way to make sense of what Paul is saying here is really to take out the word the devil, Okay, and instead insert a blank. And so uh, instead we should look at the verse like this. Do not give blank a foothold. Now don't say, you know, this out loud, okay? Um, But this is real personal. You need to insert the person who's hurt you into that blank. Now again, don't say it out loud, okay? Might get you in trouble if it's the person right next to you. Uh, But let's read the passage now again, all right? Verse 26 In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give blank a foothold. Do not give Fred a foothold. Do not give Sally a foothold. Do not give my ex-husband a foothold. Do not give um, my mom or my dad, or if you still like call them the devil, okay, you can keep the devil in there, but all right. So insert the person who's hurt you the most. That's what Paul is trying to say in this passage. Now, here's a tough question, okay? And I had to wrestle with this um, question a lot when I went through a lot of different things, okay? Do we still want to give the person who has hurt us the most our futures? Do we want to allow the people who've hurt us the most to gain a stronghold in our lives? Because we will continue to be angry at them, and they will continue to impact our futures. Now, I'm not talking about like you have to condone their behavior or you have to like approve of their behavior. Like if it was so bad, you know, there should be some distance between you. But what Paul is saying is here is that we need to do something about our anger. We need to forgive. And so that's what Paul is trying to make the case for here. 
So let's see this decision that we need to make, all right? Verse 31, uh, he says, get rid of, and here it is again, he's saying, hey, you've got to make a decision about this. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. So here's a great observation from Paul, okay? If you've been hurt, you're bitter, okay? That's for all of us. If you've ever been hurt, it equates to you will have bitterness in your life. If that person comes and apologizes to us, no matter what they say or no matter how they approach us, it will still not heal this thing that we have in us, which is called bitterness. It's our decision. We have to do something about the bitterness that's within us when we've been hurt. And so that's what Paul is saying here. Now, he finally kind of gets to his main point, and this is what we've been waiting to get to. Verse 31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And there's our key word, forgiving, okay? So here's Paul who uses forgiving in the sense of pardon. And to kind of put that in modern context for us, it's like if you went before a judge and he pardoned you, he's saying, yeah, you are absolutely guilty, uh, but you don't have to pay for it. That's a pardon. You are forgiven. You are absolutely uh, guilty of it. You did it, but we're not going to hold you accountable for it. You've been pardoned. You've been forgiven. Now, some of you The reason you're here today is because you needed to hear that. The only reason that you might be here today is that you needed to hear today that the only way to break the chains from your past and the hurts that you experience in your past so that they don't control your future is to pardon, is to forgive. Now you might say, Tim, but you don't know my story. And I know if I sat down with you and I heard your story, I would totally agree with all the hurts that that person did against you. And I would probably get fired up because they did some things to you that were unjust and they did some things that were totally wrong against you. And if I heard your story, I would probably even get to the point of saying, man, there's no way you should forgive that person. But here's what God thinks, okay? God thinks you deserve better. He thinks that you deserve better. He loves you so much that he thinks that your future family, that your future relationships deserve better. The people who love you so much, that care about you, think that you deserve better. And so the best thing to do is to pardon or to forgive that person. And you can say to that person, you are forgiven. You are released from my past and you will not control my future. That's the best thing that God would want for you. And that's what he thinks you deserve. He does not want you to continue to be hurt from the past that impacts your future because he thinks you're better. And so that's what God wants to do in our lives. Now, if you're not a Christ follower, like that's not like, that, that's an option, okay? But if you're a Christ follower, Like Paul puts a little more weight onto this and he does it in a gentle way because he wants us to realize how much God has done for us. And so this is what he adds to this final verse. Listen to what he says to us, to us Christ followers. In verse 32, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other, just in Christ God forgave you. So Paul would say here, you know, I know the horrible things they did against you. Yeah, I know that they took your childhood away. Yeah, I know that you will never get back the time that they took from you. But what he's saying is, yet we have a heavenly father who understands exactly where we're at and that died for us and gave us a pardon. He forgave us. And he forgave us so that we could have a relationship with him now and a relationship with him in the future. He doesn't carry that against us. So if you're a Christ follower that's wrestling with this forgiveness idea, we have to remember what Christ did for us, that he took on our punishment for our sin. And when we look at that and we are reminded of what Christ did for us, he did that so that we could have a relationship with him now and forever. And so when we asked ourselves, well, what are we supposed to do? Well, we pardon like he pardoned us. We forgive like he's forgiven us. And in order to do nothing less than what God's done for us, we forgive them. And in that moment when we do that, when we do go to forgive, this is what will happen. They will no longer have control over you. When you go to hit the reset button or when the reset button is hit for you, then next time won't be like last time. When you go and you understand and you forgive, then your story just might be like some of the stories that we've heard. Stories that we tell our story and we tell so much of the hurt, but people are like, how did you get through it? And it's our opportunity to say, I made a decision to forgive because God wanted me to have a future. That's what God wants us to know and to understand because that's how much he loves us. So I know some of you are dealing with some things that have been very hurtful from your past. And it's not just like you say these words and da-da, you know, over, okay? It's a process. And I'm going to explain to you a process that really works, okay? I applied this a number of years ago to my life, and I'll share a little bit about that. But here's the process that, uh, to kind of get the ball rolling on forgiveness. Now, you have a card in your seats, and I want you to grab the card. The card looks like this. It has uh, the title, What's Your List? I want you to go ahead and grab that, okay? And let me describe what's on this card. On that card is, What's Your List? And on there is the circle of blame with the other people and what they did to us. And then on the bottom, it says, do not give blank a foothold. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this card and I want you to go home today. And I want you to write out every single person who has ever hurt you on this card. And then I want you to do something really specifically, okay? And you might even have to pray about God, remind me of some of the people uh, who've hurt me. And then I want you to take this stack of paper and I want you to start to list all the ways that they specifically hurt you and start with one person and keep working down the list of all the people who have ever hurt you and what they did. And I want you to get real specific. I don't want you to be general about this, okay? For some of you, 
You know, maybe it concerns your father and mother. Maybe they were never there for you. And maybe they missed many of your baseball games or maybe the sporting events, and you remember which one they missed, and you remember they missed that one or this one. You put that down on the list. Maybe they never read some of your favorite stories to you. You put down the favorite stories that they never read. Maybe they never tucked you in at night. You put that down on your list as well. For some of you, maybe it involves an ex. Maybe they took away the opportunity for you to raise your son or your daughter. And you put down on that list every way that they took from you to be able to have the time that you had with your child. And for some of you, it might concern a job. Maybe it's a job that you didn't get the promotion or maybe they uh, didn't give you the pay that you deserved or maybe they cheated you. Whatever it is, I want you to get as specific as you can. Now, here's what will happen as you start to make your list. Some energy is going to come out of your story. Some emotions are going to come out of your story, and it's going to be good, and you're going to be sad at times, and you're going to be angry at times, and that is okay because that's part of the healing process. And as you finish off that list, I want you then to take that list and make it a prayer, and I want you to pray back to God and say, God, here's what this person did to me, and I forgive them for it. And you work your way all the way down that list until you are finished forgiving them. And when you do that, you will experience freedom from those people. When I did this a number of years ago, and I worked through my list, I experienced so much freedom that I never expected. And I was angry at several different people that did some pretty bad stuff to me. And so you will experience the thing, same thing, and they will no longer have control of your future. Now, today we're going to celebrate communion. And I can't think of a better day to make a commitment to doing this list during communion. Because what does communion represent? It represents what Christ did for us, that he made a sacrifice for us. And and Jesus said for us to continue to remember what he did for us. And so today would be an amazing day to remember what he did. He made a decision to come and give us a new story. He made a decision to come and to forgive us. And so won't we do the same? Won't we begin the process to forgive those who have hurt us in the past? And so I'm going to walk us through how we do communion here at Epic, uh, if you're unfamiliar with how we do communion. And during this time, I want you to really uh, consider committing to God in doing this list. And so here's how we do communion at Epic. All right? So communion is for any of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Communion is open for you. And so we have uh, two tables at the front and two tables in the back. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. And during that prayer, I want you to do two things. I want us to just check our hearts. It's a time that we're supposed to check our hearts to make sure that there's nothing disrupting our relationship with God. And so the first thing I want to ask you is, would you consider, is there a piece of this pie that you need to own? Is there something that you've done against someone else? Or is there something that you've been doing that you know you need to ask God for forgiveness? And then the other thing that I ask you to consider is committing to God to make your list starting today. And at the end of our time of prayer, as I'm praying, I want you to be talking to God about those things. As the end of our prayer, I just want you to say, God, thank you so much. Thank you for this reminder and the freedom that you want to give to us. And so um, before we take communion, I just want to explain exactly what communion is. So up at the tables, 
um, there's a piece of bread and there's a cup of juice. And the piece of bread represents Christ's body, which was broken for us. And the juice represents the blood uh, that was spilt for us on our behalf. And so um, after I finish praying, you come on up and begin to take communion at these uh, stations and then go on back to your seat. And there's a powerful video that's going to be shown during this time as well. I want you to listen to those words after you've taken communion. If you need more time to pray before you take communion, uh, when I finish praying, feel free to stay in your seats and continue to pray uh, before you take communion. And so that's totally fine as well. But let me read uh, when Jesus instituted communion from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it, for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So let's pray. And as I pray, check your hearts. Commit to him that you're going to make that list. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for today. We thank you that, God, you go before us, that you want to free us from our past, that you don't want our past to define us any longer. God, thank you so much for wanting something better for us. And we thank you so much for what you did for us. You modeled forgiveness. And so, God, we just pray today. I pray for those who are out there. I know that there is a lot of hurts, and I know that some of us are struggling from those hurts and that they've been uh, just impacting our futures, and they impact us now. And so, God, I pray that you will give them the courage to begin this list today and work through that. I pray that they will just surrender uh, giving up those things to you, God, and allowing your healing to come in. And so in this moment, I just pray that you will just begin to give people um, your peace as they make that commitment and your strength to do this. And so, Father, we just look to you and thank you, Jesus, so much for dying on the cross for us. As we celebrate communion today, may we remember what you did for us so that you could give us a new story, so that you could give us a story of forgiveness. And so we thank you and we trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this week, make sure that you do your list so that you can have a story of forgiveness to ensure that next time won't be like last time. And so thank you so much for being here today. And please join us next week as we begin our marriage series. Have a great week. No matter how many times I watch that, it's still hilarious, isn't it? It's good to laugh first thing in the morning. Good morning, everybody. As you can see, we're starting another marriage, a marriage series starting next week. So no matter if you are married, uh, you were married, or you plan on getting married in the future, I think everybody will get a little something out of the series coming up. So you definitely want to join us for that. Now, if you're new with us today, we're so happy you guys are here. If you could, on your way out, just stop over to the Connection Center, which is over on that wall. We'd just like to personally meet you and answer any questions that you may have about Epic. Now, 
my name's Cody Anderson, and I'm the leader of our student ministry, Surge. Um, and we have a lot of cool stuff going on, on, on right now. And if you have a student um, in 7th grade to 12th grade, 7th grade to 12th grade, and you'd like to get them plugged in with us, there's a couple ways that you can do that. So we have, actually have a texting service that you can text Epic Surge to 313131, and you'll get updates throughout the week, as well as positive messages for the students that you can talk to them about. Um, you can go on Facebook. We have a Facebook page. You could jump on there. We post all of our dates and our events on there, as well as, fo- as photos, so they could see some of our past events, just in case they're a little freaked out about jumping into something like that. Um, and we have all of our events on the Epic Church calendar, which is on our main website at theepicchurch.com. Um, and if um, you do have any questions after the service, I'm going to be in the back. I'll be more than happy to answer those for you. Now, tonight, we have our five-week group experience starting. So um, this is going to be an opportunity to jump into a men's, women's, or couples group. We're going to be starting that out at 4 o'clock over at Palm Coast Community Church. It'll end at 5.30, and we will have childcare there for sixth grade and below. So if you want details on that or you want to sign up and you haven't done so yet, again, I'll be in the back. I have some sheets back there and some info for you um, if you'd like to jump on board with that. Now, this is a great part of the year, something cool, and I know many of you have done, but we are going to be gleaning on Saturday, February 28th. And if you haven't been there for that yet, um, gleaning is basically after they harvest all their crops, which I think will be doing citrus or possibly produce, after they harvest it, they leave a lot behind. Um, It may not be ready yet for picking. It may have some small blemishes, but it's still great product. And we have the opportunity to go in and pick it and take it to our local food pantry and give it to families and need. So this is a great family event to get everybody to come out and be involved in that. I bring out my five-year-old and she has a blast doing it. I hold her up and she can get the oranges. I toss her up for the ones really high, but it's a good time. You want to come out and check that out. Um, Now, another way we can continue to impact lives is through giving. Now, if you call Epic your home and you'd like to give back, there's two ways that you can do it. You can do it online at theepicchurch.com, or you can give in the giving boxes, which are directly behind you. Now, everybody, thank you for joining us this morning. Good morning. And just sit back, relax, and we're going to finish up our reset series. Have a good morning.